Hi. Rabbi David Orlovsky here. Welcome to the Rabbi Orlovsky Show. And whether you're listening on Torah Anytime, YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts, we're happy to welcome you aboard. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for your support. And uh, we appreciate it. Listen, you have nothing without an audience. Thousands of people out there are watching this. I've gotten some amazing emails of people who tell me the chizik that they're getting from this program and, and what it means to them. And, you know, what can I tell you? I do not take this lightly. Um, I don't take it seriously, but I don't take it lightly because I live in Israel where there are so many Rabbanim who would give anything to have the schus that I have to be able to speak to an audience like this. You know, you see people move to Israel and they, it's the older Rabbanim, and like, you know, they, they give a shear in between Menchemayev to three people, you know, one's sleeping, one's deaf, the other one's dead, you know. And, and this is their whole chiyas, you know, they say, oh yeah, my shear, I said in my shear today what I was going to do in my shear, you know, that's everything. And the fact that I have this opportunity, I appreciate you taking out time from your life to share it with me. And, uh, and uh, that's it. That, uh, that you're allowing me to be a part of your life. All right. We start a new Sefer, Sefer Shmos, or if you live in certain areas, Sefer Shmot. Now, when I was growing up, and I came from, you have to remember this was a, an earlier time in Jewish history, yeah? So uh, we referred to the five books of the Chumash, not as Bereshah, Shmos, Vayikra, Bamidba, and Dvarim. We referred to them as Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And uh, later we learned to give it the appropriate names. You know, when I used to teach in certain Bali Shuvah Yeshivas, I used to explain, the most important thing is to become Torah literate. And if not, at least get enough information to bluff your way through so people think that you're not a BT. Yeah. So if instead of saying Rambam, you say Ram, Ram, Rambam, Rambam, instead of saying the Ramban, you say Ramban, they'll pick you out in a second. So we used to like practice. Rambam, 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 Ramban, Ramban, and Rambam, Rambam, Rambam. Because the important thing is to sound like you know what you're doing. Billy Crystal used to do a takeoff on Fernando Lamaz. Two people whose names mean nothing to anybody over, under the age of 50. <laughs> and he has to have this line that he always would say as Fernando Lamaz. The most important thing is to look good. And it's more important to look good than to feel good. And you look marvelous. Marvelous. <laughs> so at times it's more important to sound like you know what you're talking about than to actually know what you're talking about. This was an insight that was actually shared by the Wizard of Oz with the Scarecrow when he said to him, there are people who have no more brains than you do, but they have something you don't have, a college degree. So from the University of Oz, I give you a college degree, and A squared plus B squared equals C squared. I'm a genius. 
<coughs> excuse me, that, that one knocked me out too. But um, this is uh, this is it's important to pick up the things. So you learn how to say Rachel Shmos for you know Exodus. You can't come in and say that. This week we start reading the book of Exodus, and yet interestingly enough, yeah, the Gemara and Sota discusses the names of the Chumashim. And if you see the way Rashi quotes it, he never says, Bereisha Shmos Vayikra Vamidbar and Dvarim. He refers to them by the names of the Gemara. And Sefer Shmos is called Sefer Geula. The Book of Redemption, when you think about it, the name Exodus is a lot closer to the name that the Chazal gave it than to Shmos. Why do we call it Shmo? So obviously we, we take the first significant word in the Pesach, Ve'ela Shmoz. You don't do Ve'ela, just like the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> I don't even know if they still use that. I don't know if anybody even knows. When I was growing up, there was what was called the library, and the library had actual books in it. And if you wanted to get a book, it was filed by the Dewey Decimal System. Yeah, which uh, signed numbers to everything on for various reasons. Uh, but um, uh, when they would put the names of the titles on the title cards, they would leave off A and the, obviously. So Ve'ela, of course, it's not as simple as that, obviously, because when you think about it, um, there's a parasha called Toldos. Ve'ela, Toldos, um, Avraham ben Yitzchak. The Ela Toldos, Avraham, Avraham Halidas Yitzchak. And that's called Toldos. There's another parsha called Ela Toldos Noach, and that's called Noach. It's not called Toldos. So why is that one called Noach and this one is called Avraham? So obviously there's more that goes into this consideration than just it being the first significant word. Yeah. And more. We don't mind calling that Parsha Emor, but you would never have a Parsha called Vayidaber. Yeah? In any event, uh, there's, there's obviously a certain logic to it. So uh, we call it Sefer Shmos or Sefer Shmot. I asked my students once, what is the significance of calling the Sefer Sefer Shmot? And without hesitating, one of the students said, because it's when God Shmot the Egyptians. <laughs> Uh, it's certainly clever. You know, you got to give points for creativity, you know. Um, I was giving an introductory shear to Gemara explaining all the different terms, and then afterwards I gave them a test. So one of the questions was, what is a brysa? Now, a brysa is Tanaic texts that did not make it into the official uh, Mishnah, right? Rebbe and his... You know, the, the Tanayim all went through all of the various versions, Tanaic text versions that existed and took either the one that they felt was most authoritative or they rewrote it or whatever it was and that became the Mishnah and all the other ones that didn't make it into the Mishnah were called Brysis outside and they were collected separately. So I asked in my test, what's a Brysa? And this guy wrote, the little Mishnah that couldn't. <laughs> I gave him credit. I mean, I give him credit, you know. We were doing Gittin that year, the, the same kid, you know. And um, 
the Gemara has a long discussion when it, when it talks about bringing a get from Rechem. So it says, you know, where is Rechem? And there's many different views. So I asked on the test, where is Rechem? And the same kid wrote, where isn't it? <laughs> I gave him credit. You got to give credit for creativity. That's my feeling, you know. So um, he smote. God smote the Egyptians, yeah. It's obviously more than that. It's obviously more than that. There's a whole piece in the Yorgadal Yahu that discusses this. Um, there's, a, there's a medrash that says Bnei Israel went down with their names and came back up with their names. So what does that mean? Oh, their names. What does it mean they have a name? Uh, it was a song in the 60s. I mentioned this uh, partly because it has to do with the shir, and partly because when I wanted to learn how to play the guitar, the only thing I learned how to play was the introduction to this song by a guy called Johnny Rivers called Secret Agent Man. The introduction goes... And that was the only part that I learned. And when you're trying to show off your guitar skills and you just keep going... After a while, you lose your audience. <laughs> what can I tell you? You know, you can't really wow a crowd like that. Yeah. The ironic thing is when I would pick it up and I'd just strum and pretend that I was singing Karl Bach, everybody enjoyed it very much. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. But um, I just got to tell the story. It's got nothing to do with anything except it ties in with this. My very last um, regional convention as Long Island director of NCSY, um, up in camp in uh, May, Memorial Day weekend. And we brought the Diaspora Yeshiva Band for the concert, you know, to do a concert and to play the music for the, for the banquet, you know. So at one point, one of the guys gave me a trumpet. I don't know how to play the trumpet. But, you know, you, you're blowing it and push the keys. I mean, how hard could that be, you know? And... I was playing it a little bit. I mean, playing it along with it, you know. And at one point, you know, they gave me a pair of sunglasses, you know, and he had one of their hats, you know, and I'm sitting there playing. <laughs> at one point, Moisture Shore, he goes, Take it away, Rabbi Dave! And everybody stopped. <laughs> and it'll just be going, And what can I tell you? It sounded great. <laughs> Who would know I never had a lesson? Anyway, so, uh, so um, yeah, secret agent man. <laughs> so the words go like this. Secret agent man, secret agent man. They've given you a number and taken away your name. <laughs> you understand? The secret agent man, he became, he became, your identity is not important. You're given a number. And that's what you do when you want to strip away somebody's identity. You take away their number and you, their name and you give them a number. That's what they do in prison. Give you a number. That's all you are. You're this number. There is a din that you're not allowed to count Jews. Not allowed to count Jews. Why? Because, um, Mispar, which is number, is related to the word sapar, which is a border. 
it limits, a number limits. Once I give you a number, that's who you are. A name? We, a name has, has the power. We say a posik with our, the initials of our name in it because the, the name can, can represent that we're a posik and Tanakh. We have endless possibilities. We, we become part of the Bria itself, essential. A number means you're number 37. If you're number 37, then you are not number 36, and you're not number 38. And this is where you are. You are mugbal. You are seriously limited. And uh, that's what happens when you want to enslave people. You have to take away their sense of identity. You have to um, give them a number. And Bnei Yisrael, down in Mitzrayim, lost their names. Lost their names. When you lose your name, you lose your identity. Because what are you? In Hebrew, um, a word is not just something random. In English, we have a table and we have a chair. And if you called the table a chair and the chair a table, it wouldn't make any difference. What does it make what these words are? Why should they mean anything? Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner used to do this routine, the 2,000-year-old man. So he would ask him different questions as if this guy has lived for the past 2,000 years. So, so he asked him, um, where do words come from? So he says, onomatopoeia. You know, he says, really? And he says, shower. He says, shower. When you turn on the water, it goes, shh. And you go in, it's too hot. You go, ow, ow, shower. That's where it comes from. He says, what about an egg? An egg, if you listen very carefully, as a chicken is laying an egg, he goes, egg. <laughs> so he gives a few examples of these, and then he says, what about a nose? Why do you call a nose a nose? He says, why? Because it's a nose, otherwise it would be a mouth. <laughs> and that more or less explains it, you know? Masha Ang came by us. We call water mayim. And you know that, um, you know, the... The chemical, the chemical makeup of of Mayim is uh, H2O. Yeah, it's two hydrogen and one oxygen. So you have a mem, mem, and a yud. For example, this is some of the. There are people who make this observation. Um, yad, the gematria equals fourteen because if you look at your fingers. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Yeah, there's different ways of looking at these things, different reasons why, you know, a word has a significance. But the word is closer to a strip of DNA. It's filled with information, if you know it. The name that you have um, reveals who you are, what your potential is, where you're going, so many things. Yeah. When parents may name a child, they don't understand the significance of that and, and how it affects you know, people for their entire you know, existence. You know, I heard once, the only time, parent, the only time you can get Navu in this world is when you name a child. Because Baruch Hu gives you that, that insight. Yeah? <coughs> to be able to, be able to see beyond, be able to, to see potential. And that's why uh, you see that in, in Tanakh, when they used to name their children, there was, you know, 
Though I, you, you can't, you can always understand it why you would have two kids and name one Eldad and one Medad. You know, um, you know. Well, I'm not sure exactly what the, what, you know, how each thing went, but uh, you find that kind of thing more often than one would imagine. You know, the names and the variations on those names. Yeah, but um, uh, a name gives you that identity. When you become an Eved, you don't have an identity. And uh, uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe, who wrote um, uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. In fact, when, uh, when she wrote that book, it says it, wrote a, it lit a thousand fires in the abolitionist camp. Uh, when Abraham Lincoln met her, he says, so you're the little lady who started this war. And what she did is she prevent, presented a novel about things that were actually taking place. And one of them is, it starts off with Uncle Tom, and he's married, and he's got kids, and uh, the guy has to sell you know, his, his uh, assets along with his slaves. And so the, nobody wanted to buy the whole family. They got divided up. Because there's no, there's no yichus by slaves. This is true also by Nevit Kanani. Yeah? They have children. Those children belong to the, to the owner. They don't, they're not considered his children. There's, there's no, nothing's official over there. So, uh, so you go down, you become a slave. And that's why in Parshas Pinchas, when it lists the yichus, HaKadosh Baruch Hu put his name yud K. And every, and every family, yeah, ha um, yishpi, yeah, because he says I'm testifying that the yichus are clear, because Rashi says, huh, they had control over their bodies, they couldn't take control over their wives, they were they were they were slaves, could do whatever they wanted. So that means that on some level, the Jewish people had to be able to maintain themselves in dehumanizing situations, which, by the way, has uh, been a hallmark of Jewish life. Lucy Davidowitz in the war against the Jews maintains that the Germans did not originally plan um, genocide. The Wannasee Conference came later in the war. They were sure that if they pack the Jews tightly into into ghettos without enough food and not enough drinking water and not enough medicine, that they'll just kill each other. They'll rip each other apart. They couldn't anticipate the fact that Jews knew how to survive in these kind of difficult situations and prop up everybody else and help everybody else. They weren't anticipating that because we were able to maintain our names. We were able to maintain our identity. We knew who we were and what we were. And the Egyptians wanted to strip that away from us, take away our names. And so you find that throughout the parasha, there's so much emphasis on names. Hashem comes to Moshe and says, take out the Jewish people from Egypt. And he says, they're going to want to know what your name is. What's your name? They want to know your name. When he comes to Paro, he says, Hashem sent us, goes, who is he? I don't know this name. I don't recognize this name. Yeah. There were two people fighting. And Moshe went to break them up. 
Yeah. We're not told their names. We know they're dust in the Vira. Yeah. We're not told their names. And the two Mialdois. One is called Shifra and one is called Pua. Those weren't their names. It was Yocheved and, and it was Miriam, but we don't, you don't get told their names. Moshe finally gets a name, but it's not his real name. His real name is Tuvia. Yeah. He gets the name that Basparo gives him, Moshe. Kimisha Sihum in Amayim, he was drawn out of the water. It's amazing. This, this attempt to be able to find our names, to be able to find out who we are, to be able to define our identity. Such a hard thing. Who am I? Who am I in my essence? And we're good at defining ourselves in context. I'm somebody's wife, or I'm somebody's husband, or I'm somebody's father, or I'm somebody's mother, I'm somebody's son, or I'm somebody's daughter, or I'm somebody's brother, or I'm somebody's sister. I work for this person, I live here, I drive that. We're very good at defining ourselves by externalities, but who are we? I once heard from Moshe Shapiro that the reason that the Moshal Chazal used for Gehenim is fire is because when you burn something, you release the gases and you vaporize the liquids, and you're left with nothing but the essence. Who are you? Don't tell me who you are in the context of everybody else. As the Mesil Susharim says, In your world, you have your own world. You know how hard it is for people to figure out who they are? This is one of my lines I use all the time. I'm going to prove it because I'm going to use it right now. Yeah. Most people do what most people do because that's what most people do. You want to think about it? You want to uh, rethink the way everybody's doing things? Viso Salanta did that. Viso Salanta looked at the way society was going and he said, this can't be right. We got to change this. We got to do something else. He... He was willing to look and see and say, no, we can do better than this. But most people don't. Most people do what most people do because that's what most people do. That's the question you have to ask yourself. What's my name? What's my shame? Who am I really? Yeah. And you can, you can see people sometimes, and the name is so... So appropriate. And at times you don't appreciate it. Maybe they're not living up to their potential. Maybe they haven't maximized it. But uh, uh, a name, every, every name. I don't know who coined it, but America used to say is America, an empty nation. Doesn't doesn't stand for anything, per se. Yeah. British is Ish Brit, you know, the people of the continent, or if you will, the commonwealth. I think the fact that Russia is called Russia is not by chance. Yeah? And uh, Poland, they say Poland, here we will stay. Jews stayed in Poland for a thousand years. 
when you when you see that that there's a word that word has a meaning that word is there to tell me something the word is there to be able to give me direction and safer Shmos is called Sefer Shmos not just because of the first word, second word, yeah, but to tell us that to go from Golas to Geula means that we have to get our names back. We have to figure out who we are. Jews today so often allow the non-Jewish world to define them or in Israel. Yeah, the non-religious world works to define us. And we are who they want us to be. Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing thing in Israel. You know, everybody plays the role that's been assigned to them. It's just amazing. Um, uh, I think it was in Kiris Yol. It was someplace over there where there were a, a lot of Satma. And they wanted to make their own school district to be able to provide for their you know, uh, children who had special needs, and they said, absolutely not. So the next day, thousands of Satma children showed up at the public school to register. And they said, you know what, maybe you would do better to have your own school district. <laughs> because they didn't look at it from the point of view of, let's, you know, let's see how we can solve this, you know. I don't want to get into all the issues of the draft. But trust me, if every uh, Haredi showed up at the draft board tomorrow and said, we demand that you draft us like you draft every other Israeli, you'd see how quickly they would work out something. But we don't do that because, you know, they assign us a role and we play into that role and everybody plays the role that they're assigned and everybody's so predictable. You know, Sharon knew the the people in Gaza and the, and the settlement movement better than anybody. You know, he had been a part of them. He had helped start them. So when he said we're going to pull out of Gaza, he knew exactly what was going to happen. We'll never leave. We'll make We'll make a civil war. And then they everyone start screaming and yelling, come and get us. We'll make a war. You know, and everyone says, look, they're going to make a war. Said, if they made me the spokesman, I would have said, we moved to Gaza because you asked us to. We lived here, we built homes, we built businesses, we, we died, we buried our dead. And now if the government wants us to leave, we'll leave, because we're loyal citizens. But you're not gonna throw us out on the street. Just build us new communities, and we'll pick up our sefritaira, and we'll pick up our furniture, and we'll dig up our dead, and we'll move to the new community. But you're not going to throw us out on the street, loyal citizens who did what we were asked to do. And everyone in the country would have said, that makes sense. You know how things work in this country? They still wouldn't have built those towns. They'd still be in Gaza. But everybody plays the role that they're assigned. Because to be an individual, to be able to think outside of the box, not a groupthink, to be able to to be able to look at it from my point of view, what is my name? What am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to handle this? That's a challenge. That's a challenge that every one of us has to face. That's a challenge that every one of us can face. Geula. Call me Shomadav Hashem Omro, maybe Geula Olam. Everyone who says something over in somebody's name, 
brings the Gula to the world. Why? Because those words belong to him, not to me. I have to put them back where they belong. That's what Gula is. Gula is taking something and putting it where it belongs. And that's what we have to do. We have to figure out who we are and where we belong and discuss how we can get to be where we're supposed to be and be the people we're supposed to be. That is our challenge. Are we up to it? Sure we are. All we have to do is figure out who we are, what is our name. And when we do that, then we can move forward. Well, that's it for this week. We start a whole new Safer and Safer Shmot. And we will Shmot the Egyptians and Safer Shmos names. We're going to find out who we are and move forward. If you want to find out more about this show, you can check com slash podcast. If you would like to make a comment on this particular show, com slash podcast slash 12. Uh, if you want to find out about my upcoming schedule, com slash events. I have uh, Shabbos at the beginning of February, which uh, I have dates available around then. And I have uh, an event at the end of February. I have some dates around then. Um, and if you want to contact me directly, feel free to reach out to rabbiolowski.com <laughs> slash contact. And uh, looking forward to hearing from all of you. Everyone should have a great Shabbos. And... Uh, Again, whoever you are, as we used to do in Romper Room, they would hold a little mirror. I see Bobby, and I see Timmy, and I see, you know, Siri, and I see, yeah. So every one of you out there is special. Every one of you out there is a unique individual, as the Chazal tell us. Why does everybody look different? Because everyone has a different purpose in this world. Everyone has a different name. And every one of us needs to go out there and find our destiny. Chavez. Chavez.